Hello there, Rider Flex Nation. Steve Urban here with more career advice and job interviewing tips for you. And as a quick reminder, if you enjoy our podcast, please remember to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes. Well, on today's podcast, we have Dr. Brian Davidson, the founder and CEO of Intrinsic Institute. So you grew up on a farm? I'm a small town Iowa guy. So yeah, I grew up in Harlan, Iowa. Okay. Uh, family of, you know, all my aunts and uncles, uh, grandparents, all, all farmers. My parents were not farmers themselves, but uh, okay. uh, yeah, I grew up in small town Iowa, a little Har- Harlan, Iowa, went over to the University of Iowa and picked up a degree in psych and then realized. Now, why, why, why did you decide psychology? How did you know? Yeah, walk so walk, walk I'm, me through that. I'm always fascinated with what makes people tick. You know, why, why, why do people act and behave as they do? And so you know, a lot of us that have that curiosity, we tend to wind our, ourselves into the psych fields in some way, shape, or form. And so, yeah. So just, neither, neither one of your parents were in that field? Nope, nope, no. Right. I would say I kind of got a taste of that. My mom was in the HR industry, and so that's where I think a lot of that curiosity came from. Uh, really interested in, in what makes people excel and, uh, you know, started to, I would say, teach me about some of these things at an early age and uh, just continued on with it. Now, that curiosity – does that mean you're one of those guys or you're just constantly asking people questions because you're trying to get inside their head? You're, you, you go out to dinner with a couple you barely met and you're just, you're just hitting them. You're just um, hitting them. Man, it, it doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's I, I get my wife. I will we'll go to dinner with somebody new that we've met, and my wife will be doing this to me saying, stop interviewing them. Stop interviewing them because I'm the same way. I'm just fascinated. I just want to know. Right. Maybe not from a psych perspective, but I'm like that. So I get it. So you were so you were a very curious kid early on. And so that just tied right into what you wanted to major in. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I picked up that degree in psych and then you know, I realized you, you can't do a whole lot with a degree in psych. And so, <laughs> so I, I backed it up with secondary education okay. and took my first job as a teacher, high school teacher up in the Twin Cities. Okay. And in in Minnesota, that, any, any reason in particular you went to Minnesota for that job or I that's just first my then girlfriend, now, now wife up there. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. So you were a so, teacher first. So we trekked up North. Yeah. And it, it, when I was teaching, I was again, just super fascinated on what made my kids successful. I see. And I thought it came down to two key factors at that stage in the game, intrinsic motivation and self-discipline. And so I wanted to figure out how those qualities develop in people. I see. Okay. Now at that time, are you starting to think like an entrepreneur? Like I need, I want to create, no. Okay. You just had, all right. So at that, at that point in time, I thought I was going to become a psychologist. And so that's why I came down to the university of Kansas, started in a a PhD in in psychology and started started to learn about all these constructs like grit and and resilience, hope, self-efficacy, self-control. And I was actually doing a rotation at a university counseling center providing therapy for okay. with anxiety and depression. Okay. And I just started to think, you know, we've got this backwards. We we are so reactive in how we respond to all these issues. I said, you know, mm. could we possibly, with my background in education, I was thinking, you know, can we teach these things? Can we teach people to become more resilient? Can we teach them to become uh, more motivated? Can we can we teach them you know, perseverance or at least cultivate these qualities in people to help them uh, succeed? And so okay. that's really when I started to have the ideas for intrinsic start to develop. So this would have been back in 2008, 2009. Okay. Okay. And, All right. You know, I would sit there and I would talk about it with my wife. I, you know, I would sit there and think and think and think, right? 
And my wife would just get so annoyed. She'd be like, do something about it. You know, wow. if you want to wow. do this. Okay. Do All right. And so she actually bought me a, a little journal um, to write down my ideas. And that was like. This is, uh, and th this is while you're getting your, your master's or you're already working on your doctorate at this point? So I, yeah, I came in as a PhD student, but I was working on the master's. So you, you okay. complete the master's first typically yep. and then you yep. continue on and okay. finish up the PhD. And okay. um, so, so I started to write down these ideas and that was a really pivotal time because it just allowed me to really pull those ideas together. Now, because I was quite okay. scattered, you know, as, okay. far, as far as figuring out, like, what do I really want to do and, and how can we use this? Because that was a big challenge for me is, is there's not even a clear language to talk about a lot of these factors mm -hmm. that we discuss in the research world. And so I'm really trying to pull it together to figure out how, how can you make an organization out of this? That was a big challenge for me. I see. I see. Okay. Now I have to ask, you know, real world stuff here. Cause I know some of the listeners are going to be thinking, so how are you surviving at this point? You, you're, you're, you were a school teacher, which does, which doesn't make very much money. I'm guessing in Minnesota, yep. somehow you, you walk away from that job to go get your master's and your doctorate. And I'm get and, and while you're having these entrepreneurial ideas, I'm guessing you're not working so I, or maybe you were, how, how do you, cause a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, their big question is how the hell do you survive? Yeah during these phases like that what can you can you do you mind sharing some of that yeah so one, one thing that i knew okay this is again back in 2008 2009 when i was in my phd program um i knew that if i were to continue on in that phd so this is in the heart of the recession okay why well, yeah right that all these academic positions were evaporating there's nothing available you know the the market was really really pretty grim mm -hmm. and and so what was happening is you know, a lot of these students were having to, instead of getting research positions and teaching positions that would pay your tuition, mm -hmm. they were having to take out loans to, mm -hmm. to pay their own tuition. Yep. And so one thing that I knew is if I wanted to really create intrinsic that um, I had to find a way to get out of school debt free. Okay. And so then I started to rethink my options with all this. And what I ended up doing was I, I switched from my counseling psych program, which is a full-time doctoral program six-year program over to Ed Leadership and Policy Studies. And that program allowed me to return back to teach full-time Oh, I see. as I was finishing up graduate school. So then I could get myself out of school, debt-free, learn the knowledge. And also, too, with the Ed Leadership program, you know, I had coursework in, in business management and HR. And so I thought that would be beneficial for me come time for developing intrinsic. I see. To have a little bit of that skill set in place. Great move. Great move on your part. So you came out with a doctorate with no debt. Correct. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's a major accomplishment. Wow. Okay. So, all right. So you're moving through the doctorate. You're, you're, you're also working and you, you're, you're, you're writing in your journal <laughs> about, <laughs> about, the, about the business you want to create. Yeah. Go ahead. So, yeah, I mean, really at that point in time, I was growing really interested in leadership and leadership development. Okay. And so for my dissertation, we actually looked at the relationship of these non-cognitive skills, grit and hope were the two that we looked at and the relationship of those factors to transformational leadership behavior. And we basically found that these non-cognitive skills, grit and hope were the best predictors of who is going to be a successful leader wow. in the organization. Wow. Okay. And so it just continued to reinforce that, hey, these things are important. Okay, that these things are needed and valued within organizations and, and individually for, for people. So it just gave me the confidence to say, okay, let's let's go forward with this. Okay. All let's right. So 
And then so you, I, and, yeah, go ahead. Then I, then I took the leap. Uh, you know, my wife is a big reason why I'm standing here today. That's you know? great. And at this point, yeah, that's something I've learned as an entrepreneur is you, you can't do it alone. You know, you need people yeah. around you that can support you. You know, it, people often say, you know, the great times are awesome in entrepreneurship and the, and the low times are brutal, <laughs> right? And you need and, people yeah. around you that can support you through, through all those time periods. And because and you're, me, because you're, you're going to her saying, Hey, I'm, I'm done with my doctorate doctorate. By the way, I'm going to walk away from this paying job and I'm going to, I'm going to start in intrinsic institute. Exactly. Exactly. But now keep in mind, you know, I've been wanting to do this for at this point in time, four years, four or five years. Yeah. Gotcha. So this has been kind of the plan to do this. Okay. But it was, it's always like, how do you go from where you're at right now? Right. To where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And how, how do you get to that point? I remember just thinking, I don't just, it just seems like a monumental step. You know, how do I create a company? Yeah, in those early stages, like how do I simply do this? I was a teacher, you know. <laughs> so, so what's the first? So what's the first thing you did? Walk us through a few of those 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 early steps. There, you you filed for the LLC. You you, you thought up of a name. You you went on Go GoDaddy and found a URL. I mean, why? why you know, kind of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did did all that stuff right? And so uh, my my first client was actually the University of Kansas, and so it's really a consulting position. Gotcha, gotcha. Where we're after after my dissertation, you know, what we realized is there's great potential and application for all this to, to help out educational institutions. So your relationship skills there and the people you knew at the university, boom, that gave you your first client. First paying client? First paying client. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Good move. Another good move. Yep. And so um and then from there I was just trying to figure out which area do we take this? Okay, so these skills, they apply to everybody. It doesn't matter whether or not you are a seventh grader in middle school, okay, or a CEO of an organization. We all need levels of resilience and grit and motivation, right, the perseverance. We all need these things. Okay. So what I struggled with early on is trying to figure out which area do we go after, okay? I came out of education, and so that was kind of the area that we initially spent our focus on. I'd written up a 170-page curriculum set designed to foster these skills. And that's wow. where we initially started okay. was um, focusing on helping educational institutions foster these skills in students. And what were the, and what were the, what were the universities purchasing at that point? What were, what were they buying? This is for high school, primarily okay. high school Okay. okay. Um, um, high schools throughout the, the country and, and actually across the world. But um, yeah, so they were purchasing this curriculum set. And then I, I, I would often go in and do workshops and trainings as well. So okay. that's okay. really how, how things started, where I was often brought in as kind of this expert, so to speak, in, in these areas uh, that we're finding to be important for a lot of positive life outcomes. So that's so, how it started, the curriculum set. And, and if I was a superintendent, I, I would have purchased that back then because – it would have helped me identify. Help kids. Uh, cultivate help kids. Skills. Help, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so we, in the early stages, okay, we were trying to validate an assessment both for the, the K through 12 side as okay. well as the adult population. Okay. okay. And by this point in time, I'd brought on my partner, Troy, Dr. Troy Morgan, and we were having these conversations about which areas should we go after. And, and we decided, you know, the adult world you know, just makes a lot more sense. Uh, number one, it's really hard to get enough data on kids in order to validate an assessment. Well, you, you need a 
huge sample set, you know, sample size in order to validate an, an assessment like this. You know, we I need like 1,500 people to take an assessment, and you can't give them anything in return at that stage, right? I see, I see. So you've got to convince a whole bunch of people to spend quite a bit of time to answer a whole bunch of questions. Oh, okay. Right. And so we decided to put our sole focus on the adult population. And that was probably our biggest hurdle for us early on was figuring out like how, how, do, you, how do you turn that into revenue? How can we validate this assessment? It, I mean, it, it's a brutal process, Steve, to, to get this done and just getting that much data. I mean, my dissertation at KU, you know, what we collected data on well over a hundred um, leaders in, in educational institutions, you know, and that took me a year. Wow. Just to get that sample size. And so we but, were needing a very little revenue coming in at that point. Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a the sacrifice piece. By the way, did you go after Troy because you wanted a partner, you didn't want to be by yourself, or, or Troy was uh help, could help open doors or he had a skill set you didn't have? What was the reason for that partnership? Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to find somebody that would join me in you know in the journey. Yeah. It's not it's a it's a lonely gig. <laughs> you got that right. right. <laughs> that's it's why not. that's why I called Scott when we started Riderflex and said, Hey man. Come help me do this. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so you're right. always better, you know, with, with people around you. Yes. And so at this point in time, so Troy was teaching at Metropolitan State University. Okay. And he recently finished up his dissertation where he looked at grit and student-athlete success. Oh. And at okay. this point in time, um, we were actually just starting to have some conversations about applications of all this for recruiting purposes in athletics. Ah. Could like, you use a tool like this to help identify – you know, individuals with high motivation, high grit, high resilience, mm. help develop a high character team, right? Mm -hmm. And so I found Troy because Troy did his dissertation on grit and student athlete success down at the University of New Mexico. And I said, you know, I wondered about the applications of all this in sports. I came out of this from education, mm -hmm. but I've wondered about using this in sports. And he said, Brian, I was a former major league baseball scout for the Marlins. Gotcha. And he said, you know, they were basically, they had, I think, what, like the fourth pick in the draft or something like that. And, okay. and they were trying to decide who to, who to draft. He said, we had no way to, to understand the mental side mm. of the players. Mm. We could look wow. at every single metric from their physical abilities, but we had no way to really capture. Now, is this before, like, some sports teams started using some some testing, like like Wonderlick and some others? Yeah, is this before yeah, so, that? Or? So Wonderlick's measuring IQ. I okay? see. I see. But, but we're measuring non-cognitive factors. And nobody else was doing that at the time. Correct, yeah. I see. I yeah, see. This is kind of a gotcha. new body of research okay. that's, that's emerging. I see. You know, so could, could we use these concepts of grit and, and resilience to help us select individuals. Okay. And so, and that's when Troy really jumped on board. We had similar visions with everything ah. and, uh, you know, just hit it off. Just now, you know. now, now my mind is racing towards, okay, now, now I'm selling a product to sports teams to help them make better decisions for athletes. Now, now, now my, now we're, the dollars are turning. <laughs> yep. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So, well, yeah. so, so then we did this study with this uh, division two football program, the big powerhouse program, Northwest Missouri state. Okay. And, we, and, and I think they've won like six of the past, I don't know. Yeah, six six championships in the past 20 years or something like that. Okay. Okay. So we wanted to figure out like what makes these guys tick. And so we first had the coaching staff take the assessment and they scored sky high. 
And then we had the student athletes take the assessment. And then we had the coaches evaluate the student athletes on all these intangible areas outside of their athletic ability, like their work ethic, their leadership skills, their mental toughness, their attitude. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to figure out, might these non-cognitive skills help to predict those intangible areas mm. of those student athletes? Okay. And we found that it did. Ah, okay. I see. I and see. the best predictors were the student athletes' levels of self-efficacy, which is like your confidence to accomplish your goals, their self-control, so like their um, ability to resist temptations, delay gratification, have that impulse control. But the best predictor that we found, which was a real big surprise, was the players' integrity levels, which really? we thought, like, what on earth does this have to do with, you know, performance in football and how these coaches would evaluate these players, but that showed up to be the best predictor of is that right? Okay. Uh, coaches scored all these student athletes. And and so that just gave us, you know, because well Troy and I were you know we're like researchers, right? So we want to get the evidence before we move forward with something. And so that that gave us the evidence to say, okay, yeah, we're hitting on something here. You know, so a lot of people, if we can pause right there, I think a lot of people think entrepreneurs have this clean finished idea and then they get funding and then they start and then revenue comes in and then they sell it and make a bunch of money and it just happens that cleanly. And really most of the time it's not right. It, it, it was some sort of idea that pivoted and changed and mold and tweaked as you went through those first few years, which is exactly what happened to you. It sounds like. No doubt about it. And I often say, you know, we follow our own model. So we're, we're measuring, you know, motivation and perseverance, adaptability. And this is what you have to do as an entrepreneur. Right. Mm -hmm. It takes grit. <laughs> you got you got that right. <laughs> you, know, you, you gotta persevere over so the long term. So as the product stands today, can you just as it is now, Intrinsic Institute, in a couple of sentences, what describe it for the listeners. What is it yes. as of right now? So what we've developed is basically a psychological assessment that um, measures a person's mindset. Okay. What we are capturing is whether or not the individual is feeling highly self-motivated, really disciplined and perseverance, able to adjust well to change and bounce back from, from adversity, and to do all that with a, a level of integrity. Uh, right. now, then, well, that, that right there, that, that little short description, I could see where that would apply to, and just because an athlete is super strong or super fast, you know, he runs the 40 and whatever, if he doesn't have everything else you just mentioned, there's trouble down, down the road, right? That's basically, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that's what we're thinking is, you know, to be a lot more proactive in, in understanding who you're bringing onto your team rather than a very reactive approach. Okay. And the proactive piece, does that come into play because the testing is a snapshot in time of how they're doing? Yeah, so this this has been kind of the crazy thing that we've noticed, Steve, is when we first developed all of this, we thought, yeah, we're going to find out who's got grit, who's got resilience, like who's got these traits, right, these qualities about them. And what we've learned is it's so much more complex than that. Okay? Mm -hmm. What we've come to understand is, is we're really capturing how is that person thinking and feeling at this point in time. So the assessment really is much more of a gauge. Now, it's not like these things – change from day to day okay they're much more stable than that uh but they are malleable and what we've found is when we assess people yeah we'll have these people high 
performing individuals, you know, amazing titles and make gobs of money throughout their life. And, and we come to find out that they, they score low in, in several areas or in many areas. And we start to have conversations with them and say, you know, why exactly did you respond on the assessment this particular way? And mm-hmm. here we come to find out that you know, they might have some uh, significant diagnosis, like they're recently, recently diagnosed with cancer. They're going through a divorce in their relationship. Um, we've just had really interesting, fascinating discussions where we have come to understand everything that's happening in the person's external environment Okay, that influences your mindset. Okay, these skills, these non-cognitive skills that we're measuring, they don't exist in a vacuum, but instead they're they're influenced by everything that's going on in a person's life. If you've got a real crappy manager that's leading your your department, okay, they can have a negative influence on these skills. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, you know, a great leader, a transformational leader can do the exact opposite where they can cultivate these skills. They can take somebody who's not feeling highly motivated and perseverance and gritty and cultivate that in those individuals. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So if I'm a, if I'm a coach or if I'm a CEO and I'm using intrinsic to identify these things in individuals, yeah, then what, what am I doing with it? I'm grabbing that information and I'm having my, supervisors and human resource people talk like what how am i how am i using your information to make them stronger or, so so yeah. you know what we know is that what gets measured is what gets managed ah, okay and so you can't really do much with anything unless you can really see it until you can quantify it mm. so the first step is to try to measure these skills get a snapshot for where your people are at okay then what we've done is developed a software platform to allow an organizational leader to be able to see the scores of their people. And so okay. now, once okay. you have that data, okay, you can now have those proactive conversations with them. And then we put in these tips and recommendations for what that organizational leader can do to help cultivate these skills in every single person. And then something else that we've added in is the ability to, to look at subgroups. So we, we customize every single dashboard and each assessment for that organization. Now, all the non-cognitive assessment items are exactly the same, but we can add supplemental questions to ask, you know, which department do they work in? And so now you can break down the data to say in, in the HR department, for instance, what are our collective scores in that department? What's our right. collective scores in, in the you know, sales and, and marketing area? Okay, what's what's the collective scores of our corporate leadership team? You know, all these different areas we can look at. Um, you know, so we we did some testing with Jansen and, and, and Johnson and Johnson, and so we could break it down based off of how long they've been within the organization to see, uh, based off of these different subgroups, people that have been within the organization for just one to two years versus you know three to five years. What's happening with the levels of motivation, the levels of perseverance and grit, resilience? over time of these individuals and these sub subgroup elements. Have you, have you sold it? Have you sold the product to people that, that got this great data? They took advantage of it. They used it to coach and mentor and communicate with their people. And then you've gone back to those organizations and, and they've said, Oh my gosh, you know, have you, is, is the company that old and, or, or have you been alive so long enough to are- we are at that point right now. So we just we we launched the software platform just last year. Okay. So we're starting to now get some of that data within organizations, and right. and then what we've added into is ability to reassess people over time. 
So now great, if you assess great. them in 2019, you can assess them in 2020 to see what's going on over time. I mean, if you just let me just if you get the CEO for Johnson and Johnson to say, hey, we used their stuff last year. It helped us identify ABC because of that. We did this and now our people are better. And there's a testimonial around that. Boom. Home run. A lot of more yeah. people are buying the product. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep our fingers crossed. Uh, that's great. Okay. Very, all right. Good. Good. By the way, for the listeners, just so they know, I kind of got to, I got to cheat a little bit and, and take the, take the test early. And you, you've also shown me uh, a short demo of the dashboard with the data. So it, you know, it's just so the listeners understand, it's really nothing like, uh, Myers-Briggs or disc or, or Wonderlick or any of the rest of them, you know, if for those listeners that have taken all those personality tests and you've gotten this kind of short scoreboard or dashboard, I mean, your product is a hundred times deeper with information, you know, from anything that I've seen. Uh, and like you said, it can break down all these subfolders and categories and departments within the building. Uh, really, really fascinating stuff for sure. Right. And it, go, it goes way beyond anything else I've ever seen. Just so you know, with a lot of those other assessments, Steve, you know, they, they're designed to categorize somebody. They right. Right. you into a, a category. They're going to label you as a, a green or a red or maybe a, an antelope or a jackrabbit or you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I don't know. You know, <laughs> it goes on and on. And uh, it's, a, it, it's, it's beneficial to a certain extent for self-awareness purposes, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's very limited in the fact that, that we feel that human behavior exists along a continuum. Right. That's and the key. What I try to do is provide a snapshot for where the person's mindset is at and all these factors that are research-based constructs. That's the most fascinating part of your product that I love. As a former CEO, COO myself, having run teams of a couple hundred people, if I had a product you know, back then that would help me identify um, people that might be going through problems of some sort that I didn't know about, right? Like, like I, I knew they had a certain skill set, but their, their grit score was off or whatever. If I had that uh, and I could dig into to, to what was bothering them or, or what was wrong sooner before something had happened and they quit or whatever, or we fired them because of poor, perform poor performance, I, I could have saved a lot more people. I'm probably mentored and shaped a lot more lives than I actually did if I'd have had that data. That's the what, what makes the product attractive for me as a former C-level guy. Because now you yeah. can do something, right? Right, you can do Very something. Proactive manner versus just waiting until they yes. quit. Yes. And, and say, like, I'm yes. done. We, we've seen this personally where we assessed some, some healthcare professionals. And we had an individual who they said was a, a great, great employee who didn't score you know, tr tremendously well. And we had a conversation with this person, and she went on to say that uh, she's been working really hard over the past several years and, and just didn't feel like she could keep doing it much longer. Mm -hmm. okay, so that, that level of grit and that sense of perseverance just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And so now as an organization, they say, geez, this is a great person, right? We don't want to lose this employee. Exactly. So we need to figure out, A, what's going on, okay, and then to – redesign some things or maybe put this person into a different position. So that way we don't lose them. You know, this ties right into a podcast I've done on a topic a couple of times. I, I actually believe in hiring fast and firing slow, which mm -hmm. is opposite from what most people have heard, right? That, that old term of, you know, uh, hire slow and fire fast. I'm the opposite. I, I firmly believe in firing slow, meaning 
you know, if, if you've gone to all this trouble to onboard and mentor and train somebody and you've invested all this time in them, why fire them quickly if if you start to see signs of trouble you you should you should you know try to try to fix the situation and mentor them through it and this tool that you have is a great way to help do that right so that you're not just firing people fast you're you're helping identify what might be wrong and then and then it's really costly right to replace an employee yeah at big time (laughs) it takes time to get the next person up to speed Yes, yes, yes. So I'm, that's, that's so how do people, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, man, I want to, I want to try this product or I want to contact Brian or I want to sign up or I want to get a demo. Can you kind of direct them a little bit there? Yeah, I'll just say go, go to our website, intrinsicinstitute.com and there's a, a demo button up at the top. Reach out to us and we can set up a time to, to do a demo. Is it super? I mean, I, I don't know if you want to go into pricing on this on this podcast, but it, my next immediate thought as the CEO would be: How much does this cost? <laughs> is this is it uh, affordable, or are there different price ranges, or is it by person, or how does that work? Yeah, so our, so our model is we've got a bundled price per user model. So we basically with with more assessments that we provide, we we drop the price. Um, okay. Okay. For that organization. So um, yeah, we can of course go over all that. When okay. We do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how'd you come up with the name, by the way? How did you decide on Intrinsic Institute? So Intrinsic's all about within. Okay, and I, keep in mind, I, I'm an educator, right? Yeah, I think yeah. the, there, there's greatness within every single person, you know, that, that we experience. And so it's a matter of us, like, pulling that out okay. of the person. And okay. so all these skills, grit, resilience, like, we can all be gritty. We can all be resilient. And it's just a matter of really igniting that and pulling that out of people. And so that's where the intrinsic comes okay. from. Okay. And then the institute, it's, it's, it's research-based. You know, it's this. Gotcha. It's not a bunch of fluff, but rather, you know, this, these are concepts that have been studied for for years, and largely the psychological literature. Um, and okay. So we have what, combined all these into one model and developed an assessment from there. What's the what was the, what's been the biggest hurdle so far? Or or maybe even throw that maybe even say scariest moment. Either either way, however you want to describe it, what would you call that? Or how would you describe that? Validating the assessment was such a huge hurdle just because it takes so much time. This is not something that you can do within a year, mm-hmm. right? Research is a very slow process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it takes just a ton of perseverance to be able okay. to do it, to, to get that data. And that, that was probably the biggest challenge okay. for us, was figuring out, you know, how can we get a sample size large enough to do the factor analysis, which is just the, the statistical test that you have to do in order to validate an assessment like this. Well, not, not to put your wife on the spot, was there, but was there ever a moment where, you know, she's looking at you saying, hey, can you please just go back and be a teacher because we really just need steady money right now? <laughs> no, no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, there's times of doubt. There's times of tears, right? Yeah, it's right. like, you know, I, we don't know if we can go on much further we've got two kids right right and and so when you take that that risk as an entrepreneur with a family that's super scary super scary (laughs) especially two little kids at home so you know but you've got to stick to the vision right and that passion i think is what gets you through all that and on top of that you you have people around you that you can lean on you know ask for advice and they help get you through those tough times. You know, you mentioned a second ago how important it is for, for your spouse or your partner to be behind you. It's so it's so true. 
uh, and my wife is the same, you know, there, there, when we started RiderFlex, there were many times when, you know, she would say, Hey, are you, uh, we're going to put in any money in the bank this week because, you know, the checkbook's at zero. And, and she would go through those stressful moments. But at the same time, and maybe even in the same day, if there was something negative being said about Rider Flex or somebody was attacking Rider Flex in any way, she would pounce on the situation passionately, meaning she was like protecting the brand. Like, you know what I mean? She was like this tiger that was – you know, would, would attack anybody that was, uh, that might hurt the brand. And that's how she was. She's like, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't like the fact that money's tight, but I'm in this with you and I'll do whatever it takes to, to, to make it happen. And that's just so important. Uh, especially when you got kids at home and you're taking all kinds of major risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's great that, that she's been behind you during this time. I know there's been scary moments, my friend. I'm sure there's been a few times you wake up at 3 a.m. and you, you kind of in a sweat, and you're walking around in your living room, going, "Oh my gosh, what?" what, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, listen, there, there's some people who say, you know, "I've never had a doubt," right? I, no, I think that's baloney. That's baloney. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, it does. It is, to me, it's a matter of whether or not you can. The grit, it, the grit, the grit. By the way, every time I hear the word grit, because I'm an old guy, I can't hardly not have the picture of John Wayne in my head visually <laughs> when I hear the word because of the old movie. But anyway, so, okay. And then biggest wins so far, what was the, was the university being your first client, the biggest win or what, what's another major wow. milestone so far? You know, yeah, it's a really cool one that I'm really excited about right now is, uh, so we're going to be testing cadets at the United States military Academy. In West Point. Awesome. And awesome. So just kind of personally, it's a really rewarding experience to know that we're going to be able to support um, these cadets who are, wow. are working so hard just to support our country. Uh, just It's a really, really cool experience. They're going to be using this to assess, yes, a whole whole bunch of cadets to um, help optimize performance of these individuals. That's, so a, that's a major that's a major win. Multiple research projects out of this. Uh, in fact, just had a conversation two days ago with a, a colonel there. Um, so we're going to be trying to do a little research on the side with all of this and then also help to help them to succeed and do well. You talk about validation or reference. Uh, it's like, you know, you're able to say, hey, listen, you know, West Point uses our product. So <laughs> it must be pretty good. <laughs> Well, you know, so often it's because of the people around you. And, and there's a professor by the name of Mike Matthews there who has, has studied these topics for uh, 30 years. So uh, much of the research that he's done throughout his career has been instrumental for me in helping to develop our theory and our model. So he studied grit. He studied hardiness and resilience. And those ideas in his research has been a foundation for much of what we've created and that's, cool. that's great because of him. You know, he's one of the, the people in the world that really know these skills at a very high level. Um, and so he really understands what, what we've done and with developing this assessment. And so he helped you, he helped you get in the door there. He was a contact for, for, to get, to get in the door at West Point. Yep. That's yep. great. That's a, a good example for the listeners on how important relationships are in networking. I mean, it's, uh, it's critical. You gotta even if you have a good product, if you don't have good people skills, good networking, and good communication, you know nothing. Nothing happens. Yeah. So, so at this point, it's just you and Troy, just you, you guys. But so you haven't started hiring up yet. But and, and then are you are you gonna raise cash? Are you you getting close to hiring employees? Where are you at there in the life cycle? 
Yeah, so th- this is our, our next hurdle right now. We're, we're trying to figure out uh, you know, one of our big needs is you, we've got two kind of more research scientist type of minds that have developed the product. And what we need right now is somebody with more of that business development mind um, okay. to help us okay. take this out there to the world. And so we're, we're trying to figure out how to best, uh, you know, bring on that person on board. Yeah, should, should we go out and try to raise some capital and, and go that route to build up the team? Should we uh, look at uniting with a, another organization? Um, so we're looking at multiple avenues right now. Okay. So when you look for the, you know, your first hire, so to speak, or your first or your next new partner, mm-hmm. describe that person to me for your, the culture that you and Troy want to build, which I think is critical. You know, the type of culture you want your company to have, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, describe this person to me. Well, you know, the, the things that we value are, you know, <laughs> helping individuals and in, in organizations optimize performance. So somebody that's, you know, just passionate about human development and, and performance optimization, number one. Um, secondly, um, somebody, again, that's really got that, that business mind um, that, that thrives off of trying to, um, go out there and find that next client, find that next customer, and also close the deal, too. <laughs> it's, it's one thing you know, to go out and just network with people, but it's another thing to, to go out and, and close the deal. So right. well, we need that individual that, that is really passionate about doing that and that, that finds great joy in that hunt. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to have to take the test to get hired. <laughs> right it's, a, it's always good to know right uh, yeah i'm assuming that's going to be part of your hiring process um you know employees is a whole nother world my friend which you'll you'll soon well, you've, you've you've dealt with students so sure yeah. similar i'm similar yeah. <laughs> our hope is that we can use use our own tool with our with yes. our own employees yes. right yes. to get that yes. gauge for where they at and and we know that people are going to thrive when they are utilizing their strengths on a regular basis. You know, if, if they're not doing what they you know, find as, as one of their strengths, if they're constantly pushed into some sort of role where they're not able to utilize those strengths on a regular basis, yeah, people will become quickly unmotivated. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, so if, I'm a, if I'm an angel investor or something and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, well, I might want to talk to Brian. I might want to invest. Is that also a phone call? You're 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 taking those calls too? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But but you're already you already have revenue and you're already cash flow positive to you know to a certain degree. I mean you're 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 paying yourself something. Cash mm-hmm. is coming in. You don't you don't have to raise cash next month or you're out of business or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. But you will entertain the call. Is that accurate? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so you're kind of open at this point, whether it's capital raise or maybe a, a sales biz dev person to help drive revenue. You're kind of, you're kind of open to all discussion. Well, yeah, I think, I think the goal of raising the capital would be to bring on that team member, okay. right. Or team members. Okay. Yep. Um, and then another thing that we want to do is uh, develop online learning modules. So, okay. Remember okay. I've written up a whole curriculum set designed okay. to foster these factors. Okay. Okay. And so the goal is to convert that into some online learning modules. So now you could assess somebody in these skills and then have a set of solutions designed to help them foster these skills. So in these modules, you'll need cash to pay developers to build. Correct. Okay. Got it. All right. I just wanted to, in case there's investors, uh, you know, they end up listening to the podcast. Okay, yeah. great. Well, I, I, you know, is there, you know, the product, by the way, when I took the test, I, I thought it was great. Uh, 
but I was super impressed with the data and the dashboard and all the stuff that I saw you, you demo, um, really impressive stuff. I think if people are interested, they listen to this, they contact you and they want to demo, I would encourage that for anybody out there. And, you know, even me, just so you know, before we did the podcast, I was, I'm not a huge fan of all the tests. I'm not a big, I never was like, Oh my God, we got to do a personality test or an IQ test or, so I wasn't ever a huge fan. And even when uh, Chad Freehoff, our friend Chad Freehoff introduced us and I, and I found out what you did for a living, I was, I, I'll just tell you, quite honestly, at first I was like, ah, I don't know. I, I've, done all those, <laughs> I've done all those tests, yeah. you know. But, but really, Brian, I mean this sincerely. Um, the data that came back and, and, and the dashboard you showed me was pretty darn impressive, uh, better than anything I've seen. And, and I'm not just saying that just because you're on the podcast. Um, it was good. And so I would encourage anybody that's interested to at least reach out to you and get a demo for sure. I think they'll be impressed. Yeah, I appreciate um, that, Steve. So at this point, is it, is it grow the company and sell it someday and then uh, buy a giant farm in Iowa? Or what, what's, the, what, what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the plan? <laughs> uh, I mean, who knows? Again, if I would ask myself, you know, 10 years ago, would I be doing this? Like, no, I had no idea. Would I be, you know, would I have validated a test? No. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, early on in my doc program, yeah. you know, I treated the research like the plague. what i've just learned is you you just never know but you just you continue on the path of of what you're passionate about and um you stay open open to opportunities and you just never know you know you're super passionate about what you are doing congrats on everything you've done so far first of all to come out of to come out of school with your doctorate with, with no debt i mean that that alone is a major accomplishment and then you know, you, you made the leap. You had the guts to, to walk away from a, a safe, secure teaching job, which you could have probably done forever because you have your doctorate, and you took that leap to be an entrepreneur, and you, you've, you're, you're still going through those scary moments. That's the whole thing. When I meet people, they're just scared. So many people I talk to want to be an entrepreneur. They have some sort of idea, or they want to be – they want to own their own business or, or whatever – but they're just, they're scared. They're scared. They, they think that, well, I got this, I got this job and it, you know, I get paid a certain amount every two weeks and it's secure, or at least they think it is. <laughs> and they're just, they just don't have, they just can't take the leap. They're just scared to take it. Um, and uh, I would just encourage people listening. If you want, if you have the desire to, to start a business or be a business owner and, and be an entrepreneur, I, I you just have to go for it. You just have to eventually make the decision and go for it. I, I don't know any other way to describe it. It's going to be scary. It's going to be tough. It's going to be super hard. All those things are going to uh, be there. But if you don't do it, then you're going to wake up at 60 years old one day and regret it. Uh, because if you try it and it doesn't work, you can always just go back to teaching. Right, Brian? I mean, Steve, I'll share this. I remember having a conversation with one of my best buddies and I was sitting here like, gosh, you know, should I take the leap? Can, can I do this? Am I, right. am I capable of, of doing it? Right. And, and we we're having this conversation and, and he said, you know, like, what would you want to say to your, your, if you're 10 years older, right? What would you want to say to yourself today? And I, I was thinking about it and I said, you know, someday I want to look my son in the eye yeah. and say, dad went for it. That's awesome. And, and whether or not dad's successful or not, I can at least say I went after it. 
and right. he'll be and he'll be proud of you either way because that's what I want him to do someday. And that's great. That's right? really good. And so good. If, if we can do that, right? But you're think, doing it. You're doing it, my friend. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's fun. It's a journey, though, right? It's uh, it's uh, I've Riderflex has been alive for two and a half years. I wouldn't trade it for any amount of money. Wouldn't yeah. trade it for anything. Scott and I talked about that just the other night. We were at dinner my partner and uh wouldn't trade it for anything yeah it's a lot of fun it's so, scary so, it's scary it's scary but it's fun <laughs> so what, what, do you, what do you think it is that that allows somebody to to survive and keep going uh <laughs> your stuff right uh, grit uh you named them what, what what are the things you're what are the key things you're measuring uh yeah the, like a sense of motivation a self-efficacy yes. like a sense of purpose in what you're doing self-determination all those all those. I, I mean, it's life is just too short to uh, go to a job uh, that you don't really like and, and wish every day you were doing something else. The, the sad part is, too, Brian, is all these folks. I actually had this happen. I, yeah, we're almost out of time. But for the listeners, I actually had this happen. A young lady was over at our house, a friend of my son's. And I tried to get her to help us with Rider Flex when we first started because we needed some administrative help. And she said, well, I have this other job as a manager over here at massage envy or whatever the store was i can't remember and she's like and it's you know and it's guaranteed pay and it's a safe deal <laughs> and that's what i try to pound into people's heads like there are no guarantees there are no safe jobs you can be laid off from anything at any time and i think people get that wrapped in their head like oh this is a regular job so it's safe no it ain't <laughs> there are no safe jobs so just go for it um and, and but i think people are just scared they they're living off of that's the other thing and now i'm going off on a rant everybody thinks i gotta have this much money every two weeks my bills are x y and z so i gotta make i gotta make abc to hit my bills and if i don't make that much i can't survive that's the other bs right no the reality is you can make adjustments to your personal finances and your your, your expenses, you can make the adjustments if you really decide to. You can do it. You can make those adjustments. You can get rid of the car payment. You can turn off the expensive cable channels you don't need. You can, you can do things. You actually can make adjustments, and that's the other thing I encourage people to do is stop thinking that you got to make a certain amount every two weeks. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Anyway, I'm going off on a rant. I'm not – you, you, you know, like <laughs> we all have one life to live. Yes, it's so like, why not go for it? Why not go for it? Why, why not? not go? Why not go for it? You can always just go back and get a regular job. That's the other thing I tell them. If it doesn't work, what's the worst case scenario? You go back to what you were doing in a regular job. No big deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Anyway, yeah. uh, hopefully some of this stuff is uh, reaching these, these people listening that want to be entrepreneurs because I encourage them to go for it. Well, listen, congratulations, my friend. I mean, hey, you know, great education. And then you went for it, and now you've actually got it going well enough to feed your family and pay your bills, and it's and it's building, and you're you're getting into West Point. It's starting the the flywheel effect is starting to happen, right? And so now it's moving for you. Uh, yeah. Pretty soon, pretty soon you're going to be hiring employees, which by the way means you need to call me back. So Ryder Flex is the recruiting. <laughs> That's right. <for> you. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but really, congrats uh, on everything you've done so far. It's a great awesome. product from everything I've seen. Really happy for you. So, oh, Thanks so much, Steve. I appreciate, appreciate you being on the Rider Flex show. Thank you, Brian. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. We truly hope you find our material helpful and entertaining. 
And while our podcast can be heard across most platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud, you can become a supporter of this podcast by visiting our show on the platform Anchor FM. That's anchor.fm slash riderflex. You can also send us your questions or suggested topics for future episodes to the email address podcast at riderflex.com or drop us a voicemail at 888-964-5876, extension 710. Visit riderflex.com to learn more about us. Thanks so much for listening, folks, and have a great day.